Sometimes it's hard to explain to somebody, when you, especially a new Christian, when you start saying, well, the church is the body of Christ. And they go, what, what do you mean by that? And we talk about, but you know, the, the church is the body. And most people, when they think of the church, we've talked about this last week, we said that when people think about the church, they think about two things. Sometimes they think the church as an event. And they'll say, are we having church? Having church on Sunday morning? Are we having church Sunday night? Are we having church Wednesday night? And then sometimes they think of the church as a location because they think of the building and they go, where is your church? And they mean, where, where is the building that the church meets in? The third thing, and which is really the right thing, is the church is the body of Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. That means we get placed in union with Jesus Christ. And so the truth is this, that the moment you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, he actually places us in Christ. Now, what does, what does that mean? Because we're in Christ, but we also know that he lives in us. I mean, so we start trying to put that together. It gets a little bit complicated. Here's what we find from Ephesians, the verse that place where I told you to turn. He says, and he put all things, talking about God put all things in subjection under his feet, his feet is Jesus' feet, and made him, Jesus, head over all things to the church. He's the head of the church, which is his what? It's his body. So as we saw these verses even last week, and we realized that the church is the body of Christ. And the, the Bible uses this analogy. Paul especially uses it about he's the head and we're the body. Look at this. He also, this is Colossians 1.18. He, he is also the head of the body, the church. So the, he's the head of the body, which is the church. Then he goes on to say he's the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. Everything will have first place. He'll, so he's the first one to ever come back from the dead, that kind of thing. So when we think about church, we realize that the church is the body of Christ. When you look at church or the church as, a, as that, you can look at it in three ways. You can look at it as the, what we call the universal church, and that means all believers for all time. And when I say all believers, all believers, the church age believers. When the day of Pentecost, from that point on, anyone who, who believed in Jesus Christ was placed in the church, and they lived and they died, and all the way up to now, that's called the universal church. That's all people who have ever believed in Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the Savior in, in the church age. Then there is what we call the church in the world, which right now you could say every believer who's put their faith in Christ for eternal life all over the world is called the church in the world. So there are people in other parts of the world that have believed the same thing we believe, and they're part of the body of Christ as well. Then there's what we call the local church, which is local gatherings of believers. And we're, we're one that believers come together on a regular basis to gather, and that's, that's what we do. And so that's local churches. The truth is all the believers couldn't meet in one place. I mean, even in the first century, even when the church first started, they would sometimes go down to the temple and have big meetings but then they met in house to house. They met in small groups, houses. That's why I think that small groups in the local church are so vital because we meet together in a bigger group and then we go to smaller groups. And I think that's the key. The outline for our study is this, and this uh, when I say our study, for this particular section, Christ is the head, the church is the body. We saw last week that he's the head. That's how it works. We talked about that we're in union and growth. And now this morning, we're going to highlight this, that he's the source and authority. And then we're also going to get to this and talk about unity, diversity, and mutuality. That's the body of Christ. And that's us, and we're going to see how all that ties together. So two things this morning. Basically, Christ is the head, the authority, the body is the believers. I love this verse. 
Now you are Christ's body, talking about each one of us, and individually members of it. Every one of us in this room are individual members of the body of Christ. So let's start with this, and let's talk about Christ as the head. I'll go fairly quickly through this, because most of you, we know a lot of this. I just want you to see how it fits together. The first thing I want you to see about Christ is that he is the source of all power and growth and direction. He is. When we talk about the believers, and we talk about our church, and when we say, what's our church supposed to do? We're actually saying, what is this local body of believers supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to do what the head tells us. He's the source of all power and growth and direction. What did he tell us? He's already said, and you shall, you know, make disciples. I mean, he's already seen that. So when somebody said, what is the church supposed to do? We should all be able to answer it. If somebody said, what's your purpose of your church? You can say, well, it's to make disciples because that's what our head told us to do. That's what it's really all about. Look at this right here. This is in Colossians. And they were saying things like that Jesus wasn't God and Jesus was an angel and you should worship angels. And they, they were all confused. And so he wrote and said, take care that no one defrauds you of your prize by delighting in humility and worship of angels. They, they actually told people they should worship angels and that Jesus was an angel. And then it says, taking his stand on vision, da, da, da. And then he gets to the bottom and he said, no, this is not... I don't know if it's doing, it's not doing very good. So it says, and it says, and not uh, that people are not holding firmly to the head, that head is Christ, from whom the entire body, that's us, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, now watch this, grows with the growth which is from God. Grows with the growth from God. He is the source of our authority. He is the source of strength. He is the source of power. Everything comes in that way, and we're to grow in that way. And so when we talk about growth, and by the way, almost all growth that's mentioned in the scripture for the church growing is spiritual growth, not necessarily numerical growth. Now, you want numerical growth because you want to lead people to Christ, lead people to Christ and then train them and equip them. Now, here's the key. If you remember back when we talked about the vine, whoops, the vine and the branches, what was the key in the vine and the branches? You had to do what? What do we have to do? What? Abide. Abide. Exactly. Okay, what's the key in the body? The members must stay connected to the head. That's the only way you're going to grow. Well, you say, well, how could you not be connected to the head? Well, if you're not in fellowship with the head, that's what it boils down to. So the very first thing we think about, that he is the, the, the authority, the power, the strength, he's all of that. The second thing that we see is he is the authority and the headship aspect of it. He is the leader of the body. Look at this. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him fills all in all. He's over all of this. He's put everything in subjection under his feet. He rules it all. All things are in subjection to him. The word headship carries a meaning of authority. It naturally does. When you say this person is the head of something, what does that mean to you? Well, the, he, Paul's using it in two ways. The word for head in the Greek is kephale. It means the head. But it could also mean the headship idea. So he's saying he's the head and we're the body. But at the same time, he says he's the head. And if we said this person is the head of that organization, we mean they're the leader of the organization. They're the ones who carry the authority. Who headship carries the authority and says it put him in subject, uh, all things in subject under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. It carries that meaning. By the way, 
Think about this. The, the husband is the head of the what? Of the wife. He has that authority. That's the way God put it. He, the husband and the, the mom and the daddy are the head over the, the family. The husband is the head over the wife. It carries that idea of authority. Christ is the head of the church. It carries an idea of authority. So he is the leader. We are to submit to him. We're to come under his authority. Have you ever thought about this, that if, if we as a church are not making disciples, then we're disobedient to our head? Because what did he tell us to do? Make disciples. You may be my witnesses. I want you to train people and equip people. I want you to grow people up. I want to come to the unity of the, and the faith of, of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. I want you to do all these things. And if we're not doing that... now. The, when we say, if our church is not doing that, you can't just say church. Because the church, each one of you are individual members of the body. So who's supposed to make disciples? We say, the church is. No, that's you, right? That's me. Me and you are the individual members of the body of Christ, which is the church. So when we say the church is supposed to make disciples, who's supposed to make disciples? Each, each one of us. Now, it's not that easy, is it? I mean, it's not that easy to, to either lead somebody to Christ or find another believer and then say that you'd like to meet with them and you'd like to help them grow. And you could take the 412 or the 22 or some other of our studies or anything else, and you could disciple people. But it takes an effort on your part. In fact, it takes, it takes your time to disciple people and to bring people in and to help people grow and those kind of things. So that's what we're supposed to do. He's that, that authority, and, and he's the, the leader of all that. How do we do? Well, how do we know what to do? The, the Bible. How do, how do we have the power to do it? The Holy Spirit. Have you thought about that? How do we know what to do? The Word of God. How are we able to do it? The power of the Holy Spirit. So some, some really great things there. Now let's talk about us. We've seen the head. Let's talk about the body. And that's each one of us. And we've, met, we've talked about us because they, they go together. You can't just say the head and talk only about the head because it all goes back to the body. And you really can't talk about the body unless you talk about the head. The body of Christ is made up of all those who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And the moment a person believes, they're placed in the body of Christ, given gifts, talents, and abilities. Here's a question. <clears throat> Don't raise your hand. But do you know your spiritual gifts? And if you do, are you serving within the body in your giftedness? And many believers would say, I don't know what my gifts are. And we'd say, well, are you serving in your area of giftedness? And they would say, well, I don't know how I'm gifted, so where am I going to serve? So it goes back to what's your gifts? What's your talents? What's your abilities? How can you plug in? How can you be used by God? So powerful. We talked about it two weeks ago, I think, when we said that the body all fits together, and if the eye can't say, I don't need the, the hands, and, and if, if the body, if, if half the body is not working, we'd say, it's not doing very good, is it? And so each one of us in this room is vital. I think that, I think that the people who come to Grow Group uh, most of y'all are pretty far down the road. You've studied the Bible, you, you teach the Bible, you love that kind of stuff. But think of the people that the only thing they ever know is to come in on a Sunday morning, hear a message, and leave. What are they missing out on? 
They're missing out on getting to serve. They're missing out on using their gifts and talents and abilities. They're missing out on the fellowship with fellow believers. They're missing out on the joy of watching God take your life and use you for his glory. It's just amazing. And uh, my heart goes out for people who, who miss it all. And so the body is made up of you. And so what, we can, what can we do? We can invite them. We can say, hey, stay for Grow Group. Get into the environment of Grow Group. Come over to our house. Let's talk about the Bible. Let's help build each other up. Let's help people grow. Let's help people get to the point where they realize that, that their lives are to be used for Christ. Why is that? Why is it so important that we know what we're supposed to do? Hmm? Well, one is so we can do it. When it's all over, what's going to happen? When it's all over, you're going to where? You're going to stand before who? And do you want to hear him say, uh, I gave you this many gifts, talents, and abilities. What did you do with them? Well, I actually took them and hid them in the ground. Right? You remember that parable? He gave this guy 10. He gave this guy 5. He gave this guy something. At one point, he gave everybody 10. The guy that said 10, I got 10 more. Well done, good and faithful servant. I got five, I got five. You know, and here's this guy said, well, I, I got the one you gave me. I hid it in the ground. What did he call him? A lazy and wicked servant. Wow. So what are your gifts, talents, and abilities? They're in your hands, right? Are you going to use them for the glory of God? Or are we going to stand before Jesus and say, actually, I just didn't use them. Thank you a lot, but I didn't use them. And is he going to say, oh, that's okay. <laughs> no, he'll say, what? Why do you think I gave you those gifts, talents, and abilities? I wanted your life to be fulfilling. I wanted you to be used by me. I wanted you to have the joy of my salvation. Wow. So what about us? There are three things I think that fit together. And I'm just looking at the time. We got, we got time. Three things that as I've been seeing this, and we'll see it even more next week because we'll have one more lesson, but there are three things that sort of tie together. The first of all, there's unity. There are many members, but there's one body, right? There's this unity aspect of even though there are many members, there's just one body. Look, for as the body is one, yet has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though they're many, they're one. So is Christ. So how many of us is there? I mean, really millions as far as talking about the body of Christ as a whole, but even in a local body, you say, well, there's a whole bunch of us. And even though there's a whole bunch of us, we're actually one. There's a unity that goes within the body of Christ. There's no division. Look what he says. So that there may be no division in the body, but that the parts may have the same care for one another. So there's a unity that we all tie together. And, and I, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, I, I think there's... There's a powerful thing there. There's no division. Look at this one. But now there are many members, but there's just one body. So you understand the unity? And, and sometimes people say things like, well, I don't need anybody else. Yeah, yeah, you do. There's one body, and there's a unity. But here's what's amazing. There's diversity. There's one body, many members, and we're all different. Nobody's the same. We, some of us may have the same gifts, but they're not used in the same way. If two people have the gift of teaching, one may teach something over here and somebody may do something over this way. There may be 50 people in this room that have the gift of helps. But you don't all do the same thing. There's no telling how God's going to use you. So there's diversity. 
diversity. Look at this. As even as the body is one, yet it has many members. It has many members. Look at this right here. For just as we have many parts in one body, and all the body parts do not have the same function. All of us have different things to do. There's diversity. And it goes on to say, and so we're many, but we're one in body, and we're individual members. We, we're all, we're still individual. We're still, uni there's unity and diversity. It all ties together. All don't have the same function. I want to show you something that's amazing. Look at this right here. We have gifts that differ according to what has been given to us. Look at this. Now, there are, I don't know if this will work. Yeah, it works this time. Now, there are a variety of gifts. There's a lot of different gifts, but it's the same spirit who does it all. There are a variety of ministries. There's a lot of different ministries, but it's the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but it's the same God who works all things and all people, and to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So look at this. There are different gifts, the gift of health, the gift of teaching, the gift of mercy, the gift of giving, the gift of administration. There's more. There's something more. Yeah, I just didn't list them all up there. So there's all these different gifts. But guess what? There are all these different ministries that these different gifts do. And so many ways these gifts can be used, whether it's teaching SBI or small groups or kids or whatever else, helping in this, setting up this, taking down this, working out over here, doing, I mean, it's just no telling how many different ministries could be involved with the different gifts. And then finally, he says, and there are different effects, different results of these gifts being used. This is the most incredible thing, that one of you could have the gift of teaching and me could have the gift of teaching. And God could take us and use us, allowing us to use those gifts, but in different ministries with different effects. That's what he does. So you don't have to say something like, I wish I had that, or I wish I got to do that. Just do what God's got for you to do. Be faithful. That's the key. So there's unity and there's diversity. Look at this. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's for the common good. It's for the good of the body. By the way, let me just say this to you. Your spiritual gifts are not for you. Your spiritual gifts are for everybody else. You're to use your spiritual gifts to touch other lives. Let me give you an example. I know some people who say they have a certain spiritual gift and it's for them. That'd be like me saying, I have the gift of teaching, so I get in a room and teach myself. Isn't that stupid? Spiritual gifts aren't for you. Spiritual gifts are for the body. It's for the what? The common good of the body. So just remember that. So whatever gifts you have, you've got to use those gifts and you've got to use them for the body of Christ. Then there's one other area. So there's unity and there's diversity and there's mutuality. We all need each other. We, we can't be upset on different gifts or service because God has us doing different things. Let me, let me see if I could read something for you real quick. You don't have to turn there. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says this, for the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. What if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. He says, if the whole body were eye, where would you hear? If the whole body was hearing, where would you smell? And so he basically says that the gifts are given as God desires them, and they're given that we all fit together and we need each other. I love this right here. We, we can't say we don't need each other. In 1 Corinthians 12, 21, he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. In fact, he says, on the contrary, we need each other. 
We can't say that. In fact, 1217 says, we need every one of you. So there is unity, we're all one. There's diversity, we're all different. There's mutuality, we all need each other. There are many believers who don't believe that. They think it doesn't matter whether they ever show up or not, whether they ever come or not, whether they ever serve or not. They don't even understand how the body functions, and they don't understand that there is a unity and a diversity and a mutuality, and we have to have each other. All gifts, all the gifts we have are for the good of the body. So let me give you, before we break for grow group, let me give you some applications. First of all, let's come under the authority of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our source of power and authority as we serve. That's what we talk about. He's the head. We're the body. He's the head. We, we, can't, we have to stay connected to him. We have to do what he said. We have to live by the scripture that he gave to us and the commands and the principles called the law of love. I mean, that's the, by the way, that's principles of the Bible. People talk about it. Are we under any law? Yeah, we're under a law. It's called the law of love. It's called the law of expediency, the law of love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Love your neighbor yourself. All the commandments hinge on these two. So the bottom line in the New Testament is called the law of Christ or the law of love in which we love one another. That's how we, that's how we live. And so we have to come under our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our source of power and authority as we serve. The second application is let's understand how the body of Christ functions. There is unity. One body, many members, but there's a unity. We all come together. There is diversity. No one has the exact same function. Even if you have the same spiritual gifts, they're not used necessarily in the same way. And so if one of you, if three people have the gift of helps, all three of you may be helping in wholly, totally different places and in different ways. And so that's diversity. And then the final one is mutuality. We all need each other. You can't say, I don't need you. And you can't say, you don't need me. We all need each other in the body of Christ. And there are a lot of believers who are sitting around, not serving, and the body says, we need you. We need you badly. There's a unity, a diversity, and a mutuality.